Yes, and if you are a child heading towards kids, go ahead and head towards kids' church. So you guys have a good time down there. Miss Emily's over there. Also, I want to invite another child and his parents to come forward uh, and invite Eric and Kimber and Chandler and Brayden to come forward. We get to dedicate Chandler here this morning. You can give him a round of applause, absolutely. We've had uh, just an amazing blessing to be able to dedicate a lot of children recently. I was commenting on that, and uh, this is an especially uh, great blessing to me. Uh, Kimber is my sister, and so Braden and Chandler are my nephews, and Eric is my brother-in-law. And uh, we're just so thankful uh, for this family, and uh, they live in the Grand Rapids area. And we were able to dedicate Braden, uh, what, two years ago, I think it was, and today I have the honor to dedicate Chandler here uh, today. And Chandler is just excited to be here. Uh, so I think, I think family is, we always introduce family, but uh, you can introduce the family. It's, it, Kimber gives me the look like, seriously, Chris? So that was a sister look right there. So. I don't even know. Where, where did mom go? She just left. Oh, she's there too. Oh, she's there. Uh, Kathy and Tom Tarkowitz and then... Evan and Joanna and Aubrey up in front, so all the Tarkowitz clan. Yeah. And then you're my brother. And then me as well, Chris. So, yep. So we, I'm going to have you guys come over here so we don't dance in front of the screen and I can look at you a little bit closer here too. So uh, Chandler was born on January 17th, and so tomorrow he's six months old, right? That's uh, the, how that works out. And so Chandler has an English name, which was, uh, Kimber, you said you didn't know what his name meant. Do you still not know? So it's not up there either. Is that it is, it is candle maker is what it means. So Chandler, buddy, your future is laid out for you. You're going to be a candle maker. Um, so that's the origin of the name, but also other people have said bright one. And uh, so the, the verse that I chose, I also want to mention to you, Timothy is Eric's dad's name, uh, his middle name, and then Braden has Kimber's dad's, our dad's name, Thomas. And so Chandler, um, the verse that I chose for him is reflecting that light, that brightness. And really, Matthew 5.16 is, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And really, Chandler is just, uh, he'll be around, he'll be laughing and giggling, and uh, I pray that that light, not only of his personality, but really Jesus shining through his personality, would be lifted up in uh, the years to come. And so this, uh, it's part of a larger passage where Jesus talks about um, not hiding that light, not hiding what that is, is really giving that light to illuminate uh, the place around. And so today, as we dedicate him, we want to really uh, focus on that element and so, Kimber and Eric, uh, as you know, as we've said before with Brayden, is that your job as uh, their parents is really to continue to reveal Jesus, continue to point Jesus out. And there's a great passage in Deuteronomy 6 that we always share. It says, these commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And as we said before, that parenting is not just taught verbally, it's really caught by who we are. And um, not only to input that, but also when you make that mistake, just to, to be quick to apologize and to have that, that household full of forgiveness. 
So a couple questions uh, for you. Brayden, do you see your brother up there on the screen? Yeah, there's Chandler up there on the screen. How about that? Is that so five charges as you dedicate uh, Chandler and really rededicate yourself. So first, do you solemnly dedicate yourselves to raising Chandler in the nurture and the counsel of the Lord? We do. Excellent. Will you reject the ways of Satan, reject the ways of the world, and reject the ways of our own sinful nature as you teach and train him? We do. Great. And then do you believe in the Old and New Testament are the Holy Scriptures? And then will you teach Chandler God's way from the Holy Scriptures in both word and deed? We do. <laughs> They're saying the same thing again and again, aren't they? Is that, do you this day solemnly dedicate Chandler to God that he may live for the Lord all the days of his life? We do. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to take Chandler uh, in my arms here. You did really well yesterday, buddy. So we're going to see how you do today. And I'm also going to invite the rest of the family to come forward and we want to pray over Chandler, pray over uh, the family. And so, hi, buddy. Hi. Why don't you guys surround Chandler here? You can lay hands on him. <laughs> Brayden's naming everyone as they come forward. All right, and so we invite you to pray as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift, once again, of life. We thank you for the gift of Chandler. We thank you for... Eric and Kimber and Braden and the household that they provide, Lord, the nurture, the shelter. We pray as um, we're encouraged in Deuteronomy just to share you in every possible way at every possible time. Father, I pray in advance, God, for Chandler's salvation, that he would come to know you as his Lord and Savior, and then that he'd walk in your ways. God, that his light would shine, that most importantly, your light would shine through him. God, that you would be illuminated in and through him and all those that are around him. God, I pray for wisdom and insight for Kimber and Eric as they raise him. Lord, for us as a family, too, as we have that opportunity to speak into him. And Lord, we as a church, too, God, to pray to bless. And so, Jesus, may you be glorified. Uh, Lord, may you be lifted high. And Lord, this day we rededicate uh, Eric and Kimber's parents, Braden as a brother, and Lord Chandler to you, that he may serve you all the days of his life. And so we pray these things in your strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Good job. All right. So I'm going to hand Chandler back to you. There you go, buddy. Thanks for hanging out. And then once again, we want to give you a Bible and a couple other uh, items there. And uh, just may the Lord bless you as you guys continue to grow. So love you guys. All right. Thanks for sharing in that. We're going to be in Colossians uh, chapter 2, and we are um, going to be jumping into that in just a moment. One other thing I did want to share with you is we're going to, we're going to pray in just a moment, is uh, many of you know and love Randy Souls. Randy and Jean Souls have been a part of the church for, I don't know, 25 years and just recently moved to Lowell. Uh, some of you know that this week Randy had a stroke. He had a series of strokes previously. And um, very, very thankful this morning that he is uh, improving and, um, and the doctors are really pre pleased with his progress. He had a couple of emergency surgeries. And so Randy and Janine are asking that we would continue to pray for him for his full and complete healing as he still had some bleeding uh, on the brain and uh, just that he would be able to walk from this or walk forward from this. And uh, he is... It's been remarkable the previous times how the Lord has brought him through, and it's really 
due to the prayer that they surround themselves with. And so we're gonna pray in just a moment for Randy and also pray for uh, any sort of concern that you may have, anyone around you that you love uh, walking through whatever sort of illness, sickness, disease, life uh, issue. And then also we wanna pray for our students going to New York. And so I'm gonna invite Nick to come forward and any of the leaders that are here and then any of the students that are going to New York City, if you guys would come and hang out right here, some of you guys are already here, but if you come hang out right here with Nick. So if you're a leader, if you're going on this trip, and this is gonna be a representation because, correct me if I'm wrong, you have 29 students and, um, and had five, uh, aiming for five leaders. Um, so some of the things that we can pray for, because as Nick said this morning, the devil is poking at this trip, is attacking this trip. Um, some of the things we can pray for is that Randy and Janine were planning to go on this trip, but obviously with this last week, uh, they're unable. Uh, another trip leader, which I thought she was here, um, there's a uh, son had uh, surgery, emergency surgery this week. Uh, a transmission in a vehicle that they're supposed to take has gone out. Um, some insurance questions about vehicles are happening. And so um, what we need you to pray for is um, just God's hand to be all over this. So there's a need for still some vehicles for transportation to work out some insurance issues. Um, and um, what is, let's see, I mean, just for God to move in general. And we wanna pray for this group and all the students going. Uh, I stand here today because I went on mission trips in the past and God captured my heart for ministry. And the amount of work that God does in such a short amount of time is amazing uh, on these trips. Uh, and so we wanna pray that God moves in a mighty way on each of these students and the others going. So invite you to join in prayer as I pray over this group and the others that are represented. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to serve. We thank you for the opportunity for this team to go to New York City. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are going ahead. Lord, you're going, following up behind. Lord, you're surrounding them as they travel. Lord Jesus, first and foremost, we pray that you are glorified. Lord, that the name of Jesus is uplifted in, in this group, in these students, and in all that they serve in the city and on the way there and on the way back. Lord, that you would be glorified. I pray that you would do some transforming work, some healing work, some changing work, God, in our students and in those that they encounter. Father, I pray that you would guide their steps, their words, their thoughts, Lord, that you would restore what's broken, Lord, you'd heal places that need to be healed. Lord, you'd give hope and vision for the future for them. Lord, too, for the practical realities, God, we pray for the leadership team, Lord, that you would just put the right people there. Lord, you know who's going, you knew what was gonna happen. And so, Father, I pray in faith that you would assemble that right team. Lord, for vehicles, we ask in faith that you would provide vehicles, protection on the roads, uh, Lord, travels, that you would surround them. And Father, I, I pray that we as a church would be lifting them up throughout this week. And so, Jesus, may you be glorified. Lord, we know you've got a, a perfect plan for this group, this team, and we pray their blessing, that their light would shine too, just as we just prayed for Chandler. Uh, Lord Jesus, that their light would shine, you would shine through them this week. So we send them, we bless them, and we pray your hand of guidance and protection over them. Pray these things in Jesus' strong, powerful, and wonderful name. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Take this image with you, church, this week as you walk into this week, uh, and we thank you in advance for your prayers. All right, Colossians chapter 2. Um, as the youth stand up here, I, was, uh, I led a number of trips, mission trips when I was a youth pastor, and a number of fall retreats. And as a youth pastor, you can't just do things in a way where you just hand like a booklet and say, hey, this week's topic is fear, and we're going to talk about fear. 
you've got to do something to stir up some memories, some excitement. And that's what we did on one fall retreat. We went up north to a friend of mine's cabin. We were going to be up there, and our topic was fear, but we did not tell the students that. Instead, we wanted to introduce them to fear in a very, really different way. So as we're driving up, we're driving through an up north country road, dirt road, abandoned trees, no one around. We're driving along, Joanna and I are in the van, we've got it full of students, and what they didn't know is that we had sent up a couple of our leaders ahead of time. And so as we came up, there was a car on the side of the road. I'm like, this is weird, there's never cars out here. And so I said, you know what, I should check and stop and make sure everything's okay. So what happens is I get out of the van and, and I walk across, and out of the woods come our two leaders with ski mask on, they grab me and take me into the woods. So you can only imagine what the students are doing. Yes, you're already judging me. I get this, all right? I understand this. I felt it from first service. Yes, I'm a youth pastor at that time. You make silly, stupid decisions, okay? Let's just move past that. All right. So they run into the woods, and of course the van is screaming. Joanna knows what's going on. She's there to make sure the students are okay-ish, right? And they come back out of the woods and come up to the van and are pounding on the windows. Yes, okay. At that point, they pull it off. <laughs> yes, you're judging Joanna too. Just stop, all right? <laughs> they pull it off and they review who they are, right? Memorable youth group experience, right? I scarred many of our teens. And some of you may be sitting in this room and we can talk later, I'm sorry. Is that... <laughs> So we get to the retreat, uh, the cabin later, and we sit down, and we start talking about fear. What did you experience? How did you feel? What was going on? And people are like, oh, I was terrified. I was screaming, you know, my life. And of course, there's high school guys that are like, I wasn't scared. I was going to get out and beat them up. <laughs> I was going to take them. Right, right, yeah, exactly. See, we laugh at this, and part of that tension that maybe you felt as you were judging me was that this happens, right? Like, for real, this happens. And many of you have recently seen a movie, and you've posted about it, and you've been talking about where human trafficking happens. It didn't just happen, it happens. And at any one point now in the world, there's up to 50 million people in modern-day slavery. Whether that be forced labor or forced marriages or some sort of commercial sex trade, whatever it may be, there's 50 million people in captivity. Their freedom has been taken away from them. Their lives have been taken away from them. There is brokenness all around them. And we have this feeling like, oh, or we should, right? It's like, these are kids. These are adults. These are teens. Taken into captivity, every freedom gone. Hope stripped away. Physical captivity is what we think of, but do we think about other types of captivity that are just, it should be just as gut-wrenching, just as like, oh, I can't believe we've done this, that we're a part of this, that we've been taken captive. And Paul, in this passage of Scripture, the continuation of Colossians, he says this, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive, here's our word, captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So he uses this word captive very intentionally. And it means to be preyed upon, to be carried off, to be a victim by fraud, 
You can be taken captive physically, which we often think of, but we can also be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which again, I argue, is just as dangerous. You may not feel that way or see that or whatever it may be, but there is a danger to it. You're captive and you don't even realize it. And it is forever changing your life. So Paul's writing and he's saying, don't be taken to this hollow and deceptive philosophy. And so we've talked about Gnostic teaching that they were dealing with, but there was also Jewish legalism. And Paul wrote another letter to the Galatians and he said this, he said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't be taken captive, especially by choice. Don't be taken captive. And see, the concept of salvation by grace was a radical concept that Jesus was putting forth. I mean, there were 613 laws in the Torah that, that good, faithful, God-fearing Jewish people would be following in Jesus' time, plus all the rules that they added on top of those 613 just so they wouldn't break that one rule. And so in Colossae, we've already talked about this, is that there's this adding on that's been going on, Jesus plus whatever it may be. And specifically in this passage here in Colossians 2, 8 through 23, which Chris read part of, was that they were saying, yeah, Jesus is Savior, but you must also be circumcised. In order to be saved, you have to receive Jesus and be circumcised. Now, most of the Colossian Christians were Gentiles, and most of them had not been circumcised. And we here in, you know, the church here and churches around the country and around the world, you know, we'll present Jesus, and we'll say, hey, if you want to respond, raise your hand or stand or come turn a light bulb or be baptized. Show this is your faith. In Colossae, they're saying, hey, you received Jesus? Well, let me tell you about circumcision. Oh, Joseph, he's behind the wall over there. He's got a knife. <laughs> Praise God that you met Jesus. Go see him. Right? I mean, this is like the end. I mean, people are going to be like, oh, I got saved. I'm raising my hand. That's easy today, right? Is that this is it. It's, it's this reality that Paul's speaking into. He's saying you don't need to be circumcised in the flesh. Rather, you need a circumcision of the heart. And it's through baptism. And all the men in Paul's day said, Amen, right? Verse 13, he said this, chapter two. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So Paul is saying, it's not about Jesus and whatever you do, it is about the cross. Life is found in the cross. And he's saying we lean into these false freedoms by saying it's Jesus plus whatever else I have to do to be right with God. And he calls them hollow and deceptive philosophies. He calls them traditions of human. He calls them elemental spiritual forces of the world. Paul would speak in the same passage, if you read this later, is that he talks about dietary laws, he talks about festivals, about Sabbath restrictions. He's saying there's a different way to be free. So what does this have to do with us? I mean, it's 2023, 
you've probably heard the word circumcision more in the last half an hour than you have in the last like 20 years, right? Is that what does this have to say to us? Well, two weeks ago, our country celebrated its freedom, right? Its independence. And many say that that is what is unique about our country is the freedoms that we have. That's what sets us apart. I mean, our national anthem, we proclaim it every time. The very last line says, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Sing this out. But are we the land of the free? Are we experiencing freedom? Think about this. And answering the question, are we free? In Michigan alone, 20% of adults binge drink at least once a month. Over 400,000 deaths in Michigan are a result of excessive alcohol use. And 68% of those who die are male. People can't quit. Are we free? 61 million people used illegal drugs in the last year. 46 million have a substance use disorder, yet only 6% is receiving treatment. Are we free, even those that want to quit? Tobacco, 28 million adults smoke. Three million middle school and high school students use tobacco products. Many want to quit, but cannot. A half million deaths every year. Let's get a little bit closer to home here. More than 80% of Americans consume at least one caffeinated beverage a day. Yeah. 68 million drink three cups of coffee a day, 30 million, five or more, 21 million, six or more caffeinated beverages. 9% of our population has an eating disorder, resulting in 10,000 deaths every year. 200 million people in our country have excessive sugar intake every single day. The average is 17 teaspoons of sugar, two to three times the amount recommended. The result, obesity, high blood sugar, high blood pressure. One in five adults have a mental illness, but yet only 47% receive treatment. 17% of youth six to 17 experience a mental health disorder. Are we free? Depression, 17.3 million adults in our country have a major depressive disorder. Two million children ages three to 17 have diagnosed depression. Are we free? 40 million adults battle anxiety every single day. Gen Z, ages 11 to 26, the largest single mental health issue is anxiety, and upwards of 90% report yes in Gen Z. Suicide, an estimated 12 million adults seriously thought of suicide. This is not even taking in kids and teens. 3.5 million planned, 1.7 attempted, 48,000 died, that's one death, adult death, every 11 minutes. Debt. Personal debt is $15 trillion in our country. Personal debt. The average American owes about $158,000 in debt. About 10% of that, on average, is credit card debt. Throw a 20 to 30% interest rate, it's a snowball. The bills pile up. 60% of adults in the U.S. have gambled in the last year, and 2 million have a severe gambling problem. Another 4 to 6 million have mild or moderate problems. Are we free? 46 million people frequently watch pornography. 10% admit an addiction. Globally, $100 billion is spent on online pornography. $100 billion every year. In the United States alone, 13 billion is in our country. Just to give a comparison, the NFL 
is somewhere around 17 billion. Social media, an average, check your phones 314 times a day, internet usage, six hours and 37 minutes, adults on social media is two hours and 30 minutes, teens are somewhere around nine hours. Are we free? Are we free? I mean, we're the land of the free, freedom, right? This week I stood in a home and I've walked into a number of situations and places and scenes as a fire chaplain. And, and what I walked into was something that many would say was a, a scene of freedom. But all I could see was the brokenness and the pain and the hurt, not only of the individual, but the family. But it's freedom. I mean, we, we say all sorts of things like, follow your heart, follow your desires, it's your truth. Consume, but don't consume too much. Enjoy what your heart desires, but don't go too far, because it might hurt you or others. But you know your own limits, so set them. See, we've been taken captive. We've been told all these things, and we're, we're lacking freedom, although we proclaim freedom. So we think of these numbers that I shared. We just go, ugh. And we can have two responses. Well, we can have a lot of responses. But, but one response is you look at others and you're like, just stop. Just stop looking at that. Just stop doing that. Just stop. Just, just choose other ways. And this is what the Colossians were telling each other to do. Just stop. Just stop. Look at verse 21. It says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Saying these same things, just stop. I can't believe you can't stop. Or you can have a response like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this like boundary here where I'm only gonna go this far. And I can control it. I can stop when I want to. I wanna, this is, this is it. And in verse 22, he says, these rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with its use are, are based merely on human commands and teachings. And it's like a form of legalism that we put upon ourselves or upon others of just, just stop. Or I can control myself. In verse 23, Paul says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It sounds wise, like, yeah, I can do this. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Saying we can put all the rules in the world around whatever it is, but they're just rules. That sensual indulgence right there that he talks about, it's too much. It is always gonna be that tempting. It's always gonna be that thing. It's always gonna be there if we allow that. If we just leave it there, saying I can stop, I can change, I can do whatever. James talks about it this way. He says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. We have all been there. Many of us are there. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. We have been deceived. We've been taken captive, and we think we can get out of it. I'm strong enough. 
We've all had those conversations, whether it be with a friend or a family member, where we've heard, I can do it. I can, I can work through this. Or we've told that to someone else. I can do this. But I want to tell you this, because I know all the air has been sucked out of this room. Like, it's gone, right? Because I want to tell you a couple of things here. Is first, freedom is possible. In the Galatians 5.1, it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We can be free because of Jesus. It's possible. Second thing I want to tell you is that we can be born again. That freedom comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, that is done. Like, it's, their freedom is there. And we can be born again. John 3 is this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. It talks about being born again. And Nicodemus is like, how does that work? Jesus is like, it's a change that happens because of him. And not only are we born again through faith, through salvation, but we can receive a new spirit. This is the spirit of God, which is spoke of in Acts 1 and 2, this receiving the spirit which empowers, which convicts, which changes us. And Jesus, I think he had a discussion maybe similar to something that we're talking about here when he said John, in John 8, he said this. He said, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So we're taken captive. If we sin, we've, take, we've been taken captive. And it says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family. So I was like, oh man, I got slavery. But, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. And then the, the key verse here is the next verse, verse 36. It says this, so if the son, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. Not your good works. It's not your work ethic. Not these things. Jesus is the one that sets us free for freedom's sake. We become alive with the love of God. We become alive, empowered by the Spirit of God. We walk this path of obedience. We walk it. And so whether we've been taken captive by addiction or habits or sin, whatever it may be, we have Jesus. Because this is, this is the image that just keeps coming into my mind here. It's like, like, all right, I've been born again. Jesus has set me free. I'm walking out of here. You're walking by the Spirit, and then what happens? Oh, right? Like, oh, man, I just fell. So I'm at this point. Like, what do I do? Do I stay here? Do I just lay down and let it be? My youth pastor always used to tell us is that a sign of a follower of Jesus is, is one who falls and, and gets up one more time. One more time. One more time. Because what's gonna happen is you'll walk out of here and be like, yeah, I was, I'm saved, I'm empowered by the Spirit, and then whatever that thing is that hits you, and you're like, oh, I'm captive, I'm a failure, and you just, here I am. But it's Jesus that sets us free. In church, we can stay here or we'll end up here, uh, but we can't do it alone. Is, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord, what the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, Scripture tells us. But you can't do it on your own. It's the Spirit's power and it's each other. You, you need each other. And it's like, I can keep getting up and keep falling, but, but I can have Dave come forward here and, and, and pick me up. And we need each other. We need each other. We first need Jesus, who says we were dead not sick, said we were dead. We throw up that next verse there. Verse 13, go back to this. He said, when you were dead, not sick, we need a savior when we're dead. 
It's Christ, what he did in us. But when we walk in this way, we don't do this alone. We need each other to help each other up. So that is a friend, that is a mentor, that is a one-on-one discipleship, that is a group, that is uh, your coffee group that gets together, it is a small group, it is uh, just anywhere, uh, pastor, uh, prayer, it is counseling, whatever it may be. We need someone to help us along because there's gonna be those moments where we fall. And you're gonna doubt what Jesus did, you're gonna doubt the empowerment of the Spirit, you're gonna doubt even yourself here. There's freedom that's always offered. Freedom through Jesus. Don't do this alone. Without Jesus, without the Spirit, and without each other. There's freedom. There's power. There's opportunity. There is something far greater than we can possibly imagine. We sell ourselves so short by just staying here. We need each other. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna sing a song. Chris is gonna lead us in a song here. And I want you to sing out, are we doing greater things? Okay, we're gonna sing this out. And I want this to be a proclamation, is maybe you take some time to reflect. First, do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? That's a yes or no question, not a maybe. It's a yes or no. Yes, I surrender my life to him. Yes, I'm following after him. It's a yes or no. So maybe today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God, I'm a sinner, I confess my sin, but I believe that you've taken that on the cross. I may not fully understand all of this, how it works, but but I put my faith in you today, and I surrender my life to you. And today I proclaim you as Savior. That's that first step. And maybe you're walking along, and you're like, yeah, I've I've committed to that. But you're like, just that empowerment, that power of the Spirit is not there, is the Spirit of God fill me. For the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom, Scripture tells us. Of freedom. So, Spirit of God, fill me. Fill me. And maybe you're in a, a place where you're, you are on the ground and you need to ask someone for help. There's no shame. None. Zero. Get rid of it. That shame. Is ask for that help. A person sitting next to you, the phone call, the text, whoever it may be, help you up to continue that walk, that journey. Because there are Far, there's far, far more than the captivity we settle for. As a church, as individuals, there's far more. The Spirit of God wants to move in you and in us and around us in mighty ways. He wants to mature us. And so, when you sing these words out, pray them out, reflect on them, um, be empowered as you walk with the Lord.